and welcome to the Horizon Church podcast. Horizon Church is a Christ-centered, word-based and spirit-led church. We are so happy to bring this week's message to you. And on behalf of our pastors, Brad and Ali Bonhomme and the Horizon Church team, we pray it's a blessing to you. Well, we're going to get straight into God's Word this morning. And over the last season, uh, you've heard me preach on the Macedonian call. Who's been blessed by the Word? Who enjoyed last Sunday's sermon? We had a breakthrough last Sunday. It was amazing. Now, just to recap, you remember that prior to Horizon Conference, we spoke about Paul the Apostle being called by God. He was heading east into Asia. The Bible says that the Holy Spirit stopped him from moving in that direction. And little by little, uh, the Spirit of God brought him to a place called Troas. And in the place, uh, the city of Troas, he has a vision. And in that vision, there's a man from Macedonia who called out to him and said, come over here and help us. So God literally takes him Uh, from one direction that he's going and moves him west, away from Asia and moves him towards Europe. And for the first time in history, the Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ touches the shores of Europe. Who remembers that? And one commentator, I've said it over the, the last little while, said that this was the most momentous event in the history of Europe. We then spoke about the first European contacts that the Apostle Paul actually had. So you remember last week, we spoke about Lydia, the seller of purple. She was a businesswoman that the Spirit of God touched her heart and Paul and his friends stumbled across a woman's prayer meeting. And at that woman's prayer meeting, they preached the Lord Jesus and Lydia and her household, remember that? Lydia and her household were saved. Then from there, we spoke about the slave girl who was possessed with the spirit of divination. And we spoke about that word divination is where we get the English word python from. And the Bible says that she followed Paul and his companions around for many days. And the Scripture says And Paul being greatly annoyed, and all the annoyed people said, (laughs) that's a bit too many people who said amen. Come on, the joy of the Lord is your strength. (laughs) And Paul being greatly annoyed, turned to the Spirit and said, in the name of Jesus Christ, I command you to come out of her. But we recognise that the spirit of divination, that python, the way that a python kills its prey, is through suffocation, through restriction. And so uh, we recognise that what the enemy was actually trying to do was suffocate the Gospel through this annoyance. And we stood with people last week and we took authority. And last week's sermon title was Breathe Again, Breathe Again, Taking Authority Over Trouble. And wow, what what a breakthrough meeting we had. So... Two European contacts, Lydia, the seller of purple, all the business women said. And then we had uh, the demon-possessed slave girl, uh, touched by the power of God. 
So today we're going to look at the third contact. Who's ready for the third contact today? So if you're a note taker, today's message is called the midnight hour. Late in the midnight hour. Woo! Acts chapter 16, verse 19. Who's ready to get something from God's Word today? Acts chapter 16, verse 19. Now, the context of the story is, is that the slave girl has been supernaturally released from this demonic spirit. Now, <laughs> the story then goes in verse 19 of Acts chapter 16, when her owners realise that their hope for making money was gone. Now, how callous is that? They were very upset because they weren't happy that the slave girl was delivered. They're upset because their ability to make money by abusing this poor girl was over. And the Scripture says, comma, they seized Paul and Silas and dragged them into the marketplace to face the authorities. Verse 20, they brought them before the magistrates and said, these men are Jews and are throwing our city into an uproar. In other words, they're saying, they're messing the peace. They're disturbing the peace in the city. Verse 21, by advocating customs unlawful for us Romans to accept or practice. The crowd joined in the attack against Paul and Silas. And the magistrates ordered them to be stripped and beaten with rods. So no justice system, uh, simply because the crowd are upset, the business owners are upset, Paul and Silas are stripped and beaten with rods. Verse 23, after they had been severely flogged. And notice that they weren't just beaten, the Bible says that they were severely flogged. They were thrown into prison and the jailer was commanded to guard them carefully. Verse 24, when he had received these orders, he put them in the inner cell and fastened their feet in the stocks. What an incredible scene this must have been. Paul and Silas were barely, excuse me, into their first stop on what should have been a wildly successful and effective Macedonian evangelistic campaign. They're on a missions trip and now they've been stripped, they've been severely beaten with rods and they've been thrown into a cell. As we zoom into the prison cell where Paul and Silas are confined, their feet bound in wooden stocks, their wrists chained to the walls of the prison, their bodies beaten black and blue from the clubbing they had received. And now they are placed not just into a cell, the Bible says that they are placed into the inner cell of the Roman prison. I don't know if you've ever experienced a severe pain in your body of some sort, a pain that keeps you up in the middle of the night, something that no matter which way you turn, it hurts. And every 15, 20, 30 minutes, you're up through the night. Now you and I have experienced 
pain, and I'm not trying to belittle your pain, but this kind of pain was on a whole new level. These men were severely beaten with rods. So there's Paul, there's Silas, and no matter which way you turn, you're feeling it. I can imagine Paul asking Silas, are you okay? He says, I'm doing okay. <laughs> are you doing okay? And there they are for preaching the gospel, for seeing someone delivered from a demonic oppression. They've been thrown into jail in pain, a pain which we could say has consumed their body. There's something about being in pain which reveals so much. There's something about having a constant pain rushing through your body that tells you a lot about yourself, the way you respond. Some of you may not have ever experienced the physical pain which has kept you up through the night, but many of us, most of us have experienced an internal pain, a pain of the soul. We're through the night, you wonder, you contemplate, you toss, you turn, you try and get comfortable, and in the middle of the night, your mind is running at 100 miles an hour, thinking, how do I fix this situation? Have you ever been there before? Have you ever been in a place where you've had so much pain that it's almost impossible to sleep? Now, when I was younger in ministry, in my early 20s, I went to Bible college, and at Bible college, you learn all kinds of wonderful subjects, uh, pneumatology, uh, you learn eschatology, uh, Christology, etc., uh, etc., cetera, et cetera. Uh, world missions, leadership, management, etc. And it's interesting that when you're at Bible college, you learn what we call systematic theology. That is a way to think, a way to understand God that's proven, it's tried, it's tested, it's peer-reviewed, excuse me, and here is the download. When you're young in ministry, you have all kind of grandiose ideas about what you're going to do, what you're going to teach, what you're going to bring, and you feel as though that your training that you have received, in one sense, equips you to be able to handle the Word of God skillfully and truthfully. But it's amazing when you are in the midnight hour that you soon discover something, and that is it's too late at that time to discover theology. What the midnight hour does is it helps you to recognise whether you actually believe your theology. Because it's one thing to have the information, but when that information is placed under the microscope and it's actually tested, do you actually believe it? So here's Paul, here's Silas, and this is what's happening to them. They are in fact discovering their theology. They are actually learning. Do we actually believe what Christ said to us? 
On many occasions in the midnight hour, the midnight hour has taught me so much about what I believe. As a youth pastor, I remember receiving a phone call. Young Angela, who was 15 years of age, her dad had been in a car crash. Pastor Brad, can you please come to the hospital? I go to the hospital. It was a separated family. And there's a 15-year-old teenage girl standing next to her dad's bed. He's unconscious and within hours, he dies. What do you do as a youth pastor? How do you tell a teenage girl? What do you say in that moment? As a young adult pastor, my theology coming under the microscope, a young couple, life group leaders, doing so well in the call of God. Uh, Alison was, was friends uh, with the wife. Uh, her name was Bernie. A uh, first child, they give birth. And within an hour of giving birth, I receive a phone call from him. Brad, please come to the hospital. And during birth, uh, unfortunately, during that time, she was suffering from high blood pressure. And after giving birth, uh, she, she uh, had a stroke. And within one week, she passed away. And here's a 25-year-old young adult, young man, with a newborn, his wife's in heaven. His name is Ian, I still keep in contact with him to this day. What do you do about your theology then? What do you say to somebody who's gone through something, the head knowledge is amazing, but when your theology actually comes under the microscope, can I actually say, God, is good and His mercy is everlasting. I walked with Ian, walked through his journey for a number of years and I had the amazing opportunity about six months ago. Uh, Tori and his daughter were born in the same year and I'm preaching in a meeting and there she is. She comes down the front She's about to go into her first year of university to become a primary school teacher. And I had an opportunity to pray, to declare and to prophesy the goodness of God over her life. It's amazing what the midnight hour does. It's amazing how the midnight hour challenges us, challenges our thoughts, challenges our belief. It's easy when you're in the auditorium and the music's going, Pastor Karen's leading, and it's awesome. But what about in the midnight hour when you've got pain going through your soul, pain going through your body, and you're all alone? You really do discover what you believe. Here's Paul, here's Silas, hurting. They were doing the will of God. They weren't running, partying at the local nightclub and then preaching the gospel. Yeah. Kind of living in two camps, live on the wrong side of the road. Of course, you're going to have a little bit of trouble. These men were right smack bang in the middle of the will of God. 
and they've been severely beaten, chained up in agony, in pain, discovering what they believe. I've discovered something about the midnight hour and that is some of God's best work is performed at midnight. You may feel alone. You may feel like this pain, this anguish, the grief that I have in my soul. It's a lonely journey. But our God performs, come on church, some of His best work happens in the midnight hour. Raw emotion, raw passion. It's the real you. (laughs) It's the real me. Before our maker, I've been there. And we cry out, oh God, please help me. It seems as though in the midnight hour, all the fancy prayers, (laughs) they struggle a bit in the midnight hour. Come on, who knows what I'm talking about? Sometimes it's in the midnight hour, it's the simple prayers. It's the prayers, Lord, here I am. I don't even know what to say at times in the midnight hour. All I can say is, Jesus, Son of God, please help me. I need your mercy. The midnight hour. So what did Paul and Silas do? They could have moaned. They could have complained. They could have, in fact, blamed God. I'm doing your will. I'm walking it out. We just saw a person amazingly delivered a young slave girl. But I've been severely beaten and flogged and it seems unfair. They could have quit. Paul could have leaned over to Silas and said, Silas, my brother, come on. We've been walking together for a little while now. I ain't into this. (laughs) I mean, how about the nice house with the white picket fence, a little apple tree in the backyard where I can just kind of be nice to people. I didn't sign up for this. And there's this complexity about the will of God where we walk out God's will, but yet they seem to be the victims. Come on, you're with me this morning. So this theology about what they believe starts to come to the surface. And perhaps Paul said to Silas, or Silas said to Paul, I want to cast my mind back to when we were near the Sea of Galilee. And Jesus said something that I've never forgotten. Blessed are you when you are persecuted. Maybe what we're experiencing is persecution. And Jesus said, they'll say all kinds of evil against you that is in fact false. But the real reason is Jesus said, because of me. Paul, they haven't done this to us. They've actually done this to the Lord. These two men, I can imagine, in agony, in pain, start encouraging each other. 
Start building each other up. Start lifting one another's soul. Come on, we can get through this. We can get through this. In everything, God has a plan. And we've got to trust that His plan is good. And in verse 25 of Acts chapter 16, it says, about midnight, Paul and Silas were praying. Come on, any prayers in the house this morning? They were praying. They were praying. They were praying and singing hymns to God. See, hymns are in the Bible. Amen. There you go. (laughs) They were praying and singing hymns to God. And the other prisoners were listening to them. In the midnight hour, we can complain. We can blame God. We can even quit. But not Paul and Silas. Their theology came under the microscope. And what came out? Prayer and singing hymns to God. He's good. He's faithful. He's merciful. We love you, Jesus. Thank you for dying on the cross for me. Thank you for the body that was broken. Thank you for the blood that was shed. They prayed and they sung. Two activities marked their experience, marked the midnight hour, prayer and singing. There's something about praying in the middle of the night. There's something about laying a hold of God in the middle of the night, but there's also something that's amazing when you worship in the middle of the night. Despite their dismal situation, they chose to praise. Tells you something about praise and worship that not all atmospheres are conducive to praise and worship. They're in a jail cell. It tells you that sometimes you may be in pain like they were, but it didn't stop them from praising God. It tells you that their feelings did not dictate whether they chose to worship God or not. Did they feel like worshipping? That was me. I'm like, can we just go through McDonald's drive-thru and get six nuggets, please? <laughs> and a soy, soy hot chocolate would be good. But they worshipped. Were they aching? Were they tender? Some of you are tender this morning. Were they tired? But they worshipped. They worshipped. You see, these men had a revelation that regardless of the way that we feel, we're determined to give glory to God. And their theology came under the microscope. That is what they believe. What came out? Worship, trust, adoration, declaring the goodness of our Lord Jesus Christ. And watch this. This church is a radical response to pain. We can preach it and it sounds good, but think about their situation. This right here is radical Christianity. Radical Christianity are people who are in pain and they choose to lift up their hands and they worship. 
Come on, Brad, break it down. Church, worship should never be governed by our circumstances. Pentecostal people, believers in Jesus, we do not let our circumstance tell us whether we praise, whether we worship, whether we pray. We choose to worship regardless of whether I'm in a jail cell in pain. Can I show you an amazing verse? Come on, who's ready for some Scripture this morning? Can I show you a great verse? Watch this. Job 35 verse 10 says, Where is God my maker? Watch this. Who gives songs in the night. Some of your best songs are at midnight. Some of your best songs are not in the daylight when things are easy. Some of your best songs, some of your best revelation, some of the deepest revelation is found at midnight. Can I give you another one? Come on, can I give you another one? Psalm 42 verse 8. By day, the Lord directs His love. At night, His song is with me. He's got a song for you in the middle of the night, a prayer to the God of my life. There's a song that God has for you in the midnight hour. Years ago, I was slightly an obsessed Socceroo fan when they were winning. <laughs> I loved Harry Kuehl. Who remembers Harry Kuehl? Ah, there's a few pure people here this morning. Mark Viduka. Timmy Cahill, and the greatest goalkeeper ever, Mark Schwarzer. Well, I was a young adult pastor when Australia qualified for the World Cup. And guess what I did at youth on that Wednesday night? We ran the game. (laughs) Community is very important in youth ministry. Amen. There we go. And Australia qualifies. Well, it was a short time after I was leading a trip to Rwanda. Uh, First time I'm ever going to Rwanda. Uh, It was a a medical missions trip with some ministry as well on the side. It was a big team, 30 or so people. And um, Australia's first game in the World Cup landed in the missions trip when I was in Rwanda. And I'm like, I have prayed and fasted for this moment for many, many years. I'm in the middle of Rwanda and I don't get to watch Harry Kuehl in the World Cup. So we're in this kind of motel and you would not believe it. There was a TV in this eating area and the Australia game was about to start. So I had this big team and I thought, guys, this, this is huge for Australia. I mean, it's 30 plus years since we had made the World Cup. And so the national anthem comes on. Guess what Brad does? Everyone, stand. We're singing the national anthem of Australia in Rwanda. Come on, somebody, give it up this morning. So I said, because it's so important in Australian history, we're all going to put our hand like this. Oh, yes, Pastor Brad, we'll put our hand like that. No, no worries. And man, I sang at the top of my lungs, Australians all, let us rejoice, for we are one and free. Back then it was young and free. And we sang, now there were other Rwandans that were there and they thought, oh, this must be a very respectful thing to do in Australia. So they all stood up as well. (laughs) 
Advance Australia Fair. Oh, I was so excited. Now you think about this. Why is the national anthem sung at critical moments or important moments in uh, the life of a country? And that is, the national anthem is there to symbolise tradition. It's there to inform us of what we believe as a nation. Amen. Come on now. It tells us about our history. That is, it's helping us form our identity. When we worship, when we praise, when we give glory to God, not only does it symbolise tradition, it's telling us what we believe. It's establishing our identity as a group of people. So regardless of the circumstance, God, You are good and I praise and worship and lift You up today. You are a mighty God and You rule over circumstance and situation. So we are taking a biblical mandate and practising it regardless of where we are and how we feel. Our attention is set on Jesus. Psalm 30 verse 5 says, Weeping may endure for a night, but joy comes in the morning. Watch this. When does a new day start? Most of us would assume, including myself, that a new day starts when the sun rises. Not true. A new day starts when that clock at a nanosecond swings between midnight and 12.01. You transition from what was to what is. The Bible says that Paul and Silas, when did they worship? When did they sing songs? The Bible says that they did that at midnight. Praise and worship ushers in a new day. It may be dark all around us. We may be aching. We may be in pain. We may feel like we're in chains. But when we worship, we are saying good morning to a new day. It's a new hour. It's a new place. It's a new territory. As we worship Him, they could have waited till sunrise. They could have waited till things were more visible to see who was around, who's listening to us. But Paul and Silas made a decision. We will worship Him at midnight. What were they singing? Well, we don't know, but I'm gonna have a guess. Can we have a guess at what they were singing? If I was Paul or Silas, I would have started off with, "'Tis so sweet to trust in Jesus." Because that would have really got me going. Come on, anyone with me this morning? "'Tis so sweet to trust in Jesus, just to take Him at His Word." After that, I would have said, "'Gentlemen, we're now singing, "'This is how I fight my battles.'" It may look like I'm surrounded, but I'm surrounded by you. Come on now. It may look like, come on, I'm surrounded by, and I declared that. Then eventually I thought, that's a good song, guys, but we're going to go deeper. Day and night, night and day, let incense arise. 
Come on now. Let's just sing that for about three hours. Day and night, night and day. Let incense arise. Come on, let's worship Him. Worship Him. Then eventually, this is how I fight my battles. Come on. This is how I fight my... Come on, sing it now. This is how I fight. We're going to sing. Things started to shift. There was movement. Things started to change. When? Not at dawn. In the midnight hour. Your breakthrough does not have to come when things are visible. Your breakthrough can come in the midnight hour. Are there any worshippers this morning? Is there anybody who says, I don't understand it all, but I choose to praise. I choose to worship. I choose to lift up the name of Jesus. Acts chapter 16, verse 19 says, suddenly there was such a violent earthquake that the found, by the way, the Greek word there is seismos megas. So (laughs) very interesting. So it was a, a mega seismic shift. There's such a violent earthquake that the foundations of the prison were shaken. At once, all the prison doors flew open and everyone's chains came loose. Come on, when you praise God, not only are you set free, not only do you experience the breakthrough, but everybody around you, such as the anointing, such as the authority of the power of our God, that everybody else experiences the goodness of God in the midnight hour. You're in the midnight hour. Are you gonna complain? Are you gonna quit? Come on, your theology's under the microscope. What you believe is under the microscope. And the Spirit of God is encouraging you today saying, be a worshipper, be a worshipper. Give it over to the goodness of our God and watch Him bring a mighty breakthrough. Well, there's this huge earthquake. Doors flew open, chains broke. All the prisoners like, beauty, we're free. <laughs> and the jailer, the Bible says, he, he wakes up and he's like, whoa, what's, what, what's going on here? He, he thought that the prisoners had escaped. And so the Bible says he actually goes, he takes his sword and he goes to kill himself. And Paul says, you, we're all here, you, you don't need to do it now. And the reason why he did that is because uh, in Roman custom, uh, if the jailers escaped, then it would be the death penalty for those who were supposed to be watching. So he thought rather than suffering the death penalty, he was just going to take his life. And Paul says, no, no, don't, don't do that. The Bible says Paul shouted at him and said, don't harm yourself. We are all here. And interestingly, The man comes before Paul and the Bible says he asks the question, Sir, what must I do to be saved? And the jailer, the jailer experiences the goodness of God. Now watch this. Paul comes to Europe. Are you with me this morning? There's a great move of God. And firstly, we see Lydia, the seller of purple, she was the first one to encounter the presence of God in Europe. She was a businesswoman. She was at the top of the social strata. The next we see is the slave girl. We could say she was at the bottom. 
But now we have a Roman jailer who served in civil society right there in the middle. And you see, all spheres of society reached with the love of God. The top, the bottom, and the middle. For God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son, that whoever believes in Him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. And we see the whole impact of the Gospel touching, in inverted commas, all of society. Such is the power of the Gospel that is for every single person, young or old, slave or free, Jesus Christ's love can reach every single heart. Tonight, by the way, I'm going to be teaching on praise and worship. If you've never heard me teach on praise and worship before, you need to come tonight. We're going to have a breakthrough meeting tonight as I preach. I'm preaching on praise and worship. We're going to have the most incredible time worshipping God. Because for some of us this morning, your breakthrough is not based on whether the circumstance shifts or what you begin to see so you know what decision to make. It's in the midnight hour. Come on, I don't understand. But in the midnight hour, in the midnight hour, I choose to be a worshipper. Some of you are in pain. Your feet are in stocks. You feel like life is not moving forward. Your hands have been chained to the wall and you think to yourself, I don't know what to do. I have a solution. And at midnight, Paul and Silas prayed and they sang hymns to God. Your solution is not in your own strength. The solution is found in Jesus as we worship Him. Last thought, and guess what we're going to do? <laughs> How did you guess? And guess what type of worship, worship song it is? A hymn. The most concentrated teaching of worship in the ministry of Jesus was the woman at the well. Who remembers that story? Full on life. You know, that was like Hollywood situation right there. Full on. And Jesus chooses to teach her about worship. You know why? See, if I was God, choose like a real holy place, a couple of flashing lights. Oh, it's got to look good. That's where we're going to teach everybody about worship. And Jesus chooses to teach a woman out in the middle of nowhere about worship, a broken woman. Because your brokenness and your pain is resolved. All you need to do is worship. That's a good word right there. Come on, who's ready to worship this morning? Thanks for listening to this week's message. For more info about Horizon Church, please visit our website at hz.church. 
Have a fantastic day and we hope to see you again soon.